this week on the Adaptation Game. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Adaptation Game, the show where a bunch of incontinent losers all attempt to adapt various media into other forms. I am your host, your ghost host, Mr. Matthew Schott, and with me as always is my intrepid co-host, Mr. Chris Okawa. Her body will lie in the chamber forever! Oh, hi there. And joining us for his three-peat appearance would be Mr. Sean Eastridge, back with us again. Welcome, Sean. I am so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. You can feel, probably even the listeners at home can feel the palpable, raw, sexual energy in the room. Uh, despite the fact that we're in three different rooms, uh, because we are returning to a uh, fan favorite. And by fan, I mean me. I'm a fan of it. Uh, we're returning <laughs> to the versus wheel where fate will choose two random fictional characters, which the three of us will have to pit in mortal combat against one another. Now, let me get our initial thoughts, our initial feelings. Sean, Chris, how are you guys feeling about this? Are you ready for a rematch? Are you ready to see if you have what it takes to engage once again in Mortal Kombat, this time Annihilation? I'm optimistic. I I think there are a few things that made me more miserable than uh, the last time we did this. So I am trying to keep an open mind Mm. and am looking forward to seeing what kooky things you've cooked up for us, though I'm uh, I am a little terrified. Well, a tad bit. You are going to have to try pretty hard to be more miserable than our uh, lovely friend, Mr. Chris Okawa, was the last time we spun this wheel. Yes, Chris, Chris, you did get stuck with, uh, (laughs) it was bottom of the barrel. Uh, Stuck (laughs) with, I would say Chris was given a golden opportunity to create the crossover of of the century. (laughs) Would you agree with that, Chris? (laughs) You know, I think canonically people saw we all sort of walked the road with to recovery mm-hmm. with me after the bye bye man incident. I've used it in multiple pitches since. Um, <laughs> I just want to say I felt very strongly that that was the Austin Powers four that I'd been missing. Like that mm. was what fans really wanted. Yeah, that was. I believe the working title for Austin Powers four was for your thighs only. And uh, uh, I feel like that was better than whatever that movie would have been. So yeah. uh, congratulations. I, you could have you. made that for your buys only as a oh. buy, man. Missed but, opportunity. Yeah. That, that is opportunity. true. That is um, true. Well, normally this is where we do some kind of personal history, uh, but I feel like there's just such a tenseness and, and eagerness in the, the air. Personal history is we're mad and we, we hate playing this game. <laughs> 
I mean, most people have most people have turned this episode off in disgust by now. Just not this again. <laughs> I'm going to start working the wheel into every episode. That's the thing that no, people don't understand. This is going to no, be a wheel Matthew. show from now on. Uh, uh, the wheel once again was created by me with the intent of tormenting our guests and myself as much as possible. <laughs> so, uh, without further ado, we're going to do this just like last time. We're going to go Chris, Sean, me, and we're going to each okay. get one character, and then we'll uh, on our second spin we'll get our second character. So, here right, we go, Chris. Chris, you're up first. I'm about to spin. The spin wheel, the wheel, Daddy O. Spin here it away. we go, and here comes your first character. Spin, 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 big spin, money, spin, big money. spin, away, spin. Jimmy, no whammy, spin no whammy, away. no whammy. Ooh, interesting. Your first character is Nakatomi Plaza from Die Hard. <laughs> a very yeah! iconic character. A very yes. iconic character featured definitely, in definitely one film. Uh, Who so that forget. <laughs> <laughs> Die Hard is sort of like New York and Sex in the City, uh, where you know Nakatomi Plaza is a character in and of itself. Yes. Mm. Um, so that's that's one down. Sean, you're up. Get ready to <laughs> oh, spin, boy. spin, spin, spin. What does fate have in store for Sean? It is. <laughs> Sean, I, we can't we your... can't see the wheel. So whenever Matt reacts, it's just this, this pit of pit of your stomach feeling yeah. of no. Oh no! And there's the undergo of red because the page is red. So he like literally looks like a character. <laughs> I've oh never seen Matt laugh so hard. In my Sean, life. your first character is the Saddle Club. What the, the hell is what? that? From, what is wrong with you, from Matthew? The young adult <laughs> book series intended for ages. 10, 10 and up girls. Uh, oh, the saddle no. club. They ride horses the and they're friends. Up. Oh, I <laughs> remember saddle. this. What is this? It's a collection I of young girls this that on like Google. horses. I, the saddle up club? No, it's, it's the tr- saddle club. The saddle club. The sad- okay. They ride the horses and they're club. friends. Um, oh my they love God. the only thing they love more than their horses is their friendship. Um, the, the Saddle Club is an Australian Canadian children's television series. Are there two things what the that hell? are further apart from each other than Australia <laughs> and Canada? I, I've I'm, never. This is this is probably why you don't hear about a lot of Australian Canadian collaborations. Yeah, this is, this is what you get. This is already the best episode we've ever the recorded. Saddle Club. Uh, we haven't even oh we ha- we're not God. even halfway through our oh, picks. I'm this so show exhausted. has 78 episodes. Well, Holy look, Sean, shit. I'm not expecting you to watch every episode of the series just to read every book in the in the in the, <laughs> in the book series. No, I'm just stunned <laughs> like that it had that many. All right. Uh, God. Here we monster. go. I am up. I am up. Here we go. Spin, spin, spin. What does the wheel say? What does fate have in store? It's it. The spooky clown monster from the film of the same name, the monster It. Now, this gives me a lot of versatility because he can yeah, shape shift. It's, it's a person. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's not actual... Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's an actual well, book that people have heard of. <laughs> actually, uh, Chris, if you've seen the film, you would know that he is not a person. He's a big spider. Uh, that's his true form. <laughs> Uh, he's a big spider and he's real scary. Um, he's whatever you're afraid of. So boy, oh boy, did I uh, luck out. With I'm, my I'm first afraid bit. of Austin Powers versus the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Chris, I don't know time anymore. to find out. If Ooh, it's another Nakatomi location, Plaza I'm will fight. I'm so <laughs> fucked if it's two locations. Here what am I even going to do? Here we go. Spin, spin, spin. It, <laughs> it is shit. Mr. Glass from what? the movie Unbreakable. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Mr. Glass versus the Nakatomi Plaza. I've right. been waiting boy. for this. Oh boy, We've, how could Mr. Seen... Glass defeat a building that big? You've all seen Alan Rickman versus Nakatomi Plaza. You're gonna love Mr. Glass versus Nakatomi Plaza. Samuel L. taking oh on a big old building. He's so smart. He's if you haven't seen Glass, now is your opportunity to watch one of the worst movies of the past ten years. <laughs> I don't um, even know what to do. Do I, do I look on <laughs> Wikipedia? I can't watch the movie. I don't want to watch the movie. You don't want to watch Glass. I'll tell you that right now. You don't want to watch it. Have you seen Unbreakable? No. Um, I mean, I guess, like, at least watch Unbreakable. Like, it's not as bad as Glass. Um, Mr. Glass. Yeah, it's not as bad as watching 78 episodes of The Saddle Club. <laughs> look, Sean, nobody <laughs> said you have to watch is. every episode. You just need to be an expert on The Saddle Club by you the time we to... return. Yeah, you don't have to watch every episode of it. You have to have you have to understand the essence and inspiration behind the original pitch meeting for it. I'm just reading some of the home video releases and there's uh the Saddle Club Horse Crazy. There's the Saddle Club The Main Event spelled M A N E. Um Sean, Matthew, don't why you do you know, know this? Why don't do you, you want to know, know who the Saddle Club is going to fight? Because we're about to find out. Who could I these girls, united by their love of horses, who could oh these girls God. possibly face? Let's find out. Spin, 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 What's worse spin. than one horse girl? The Saddle Club will be facing... Okay, that was a repeat. Got to spin again. Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> okay, well, this will be interesting. The Saddle Club is going through the wardrobe into Narnia. It'll oh, be the Saddle God. Club versus This is Narnia. a nightmare. A mashup this is a nightmare. Of our they're going to go into the wardrobe and they're going to be like, now our horses can talk. And yeah. it's going to be the worst episode. Uh, no, 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 no. This is not the Saddle Club meets Narnia. This is the Saddle Club versus Narnia. May I remind you, gentlemen, of the rules? This is a uh, match between characters, and there must be a winner. There must be a definitive winner at the end of your fight. So uh, this cannot be a friendship <laughs> game. They're not here to fuck around with the horse and his boy. I've never seen Chris look so upset. <laughs> because I was just starting to formulate my idea, and then I was like, last time we did the goddamn lighthouse, which is a location versus person. So it can't even be like the beguiling mysteries therein of a giant it's tower. It's not a particularly mysterious building, it's just an office building uh, full of terrorists. Uh, so uh, finally, finally, we're going to see who it will fight. The creature from it will face. The kids from it. Oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> oh, so easy for you. No. Uh, in fact, uh, they will not be facing the, the kids from it. They will be facing the creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, what? Right. He's not so bad. Uh, kind of a kind of a mismatched fight. I feel like one of these characters is significantly more powerful than the other. But hey, I haven't even seen the creature from the Black Lagoon, so I guess that's going to have to change. 
<laughs> well, how do we feel about our picks? How do we feel about uh, what we landed with? Pretty good. Uh, pretty, pretty great. Um, pretty, pretty wonderful. I'd, I'd like to temper folks' ed, uh, expectation. If I was very good at what we are called to do on this show every week, I wouldn't. I would be doing it for money. I would not be doing anything else. <laughs> so I, I am not very good at this, and I am not good enough. I don't. I don't know that I'm good enough to. I, I have an idea. I have an idea for it. Um, and I mean, it's plain as what someone losing the Nakatomi Plaza looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know what someone I defeating don't, I don't Nakatomi know. Plaza I, looks like. I, I well, think you've got some leeway here. I don't know what Nakatomi Plaza looks like defeating. I don't even remember what the fuck. Mr. Glass from <laughs> Mr. Unbreakable. Glass. I don't know what that looks like. I mean, it could be anything, really. Yeah, yeah I do the know. The sky's the limit there. I do know that the top of the building blows up in Die Hard, which I would consider a defeat. I would yes. say Nakatomi Plaza loses in Die Hard. In the fight yes. between Bruce Willis and Nakatomi Plaza. Mm. As for me, uh, there was life before I knew what the Saddle Club was, <laughs> and I wish I could go back, but everything has changed. That was inspired and, um, by um, uh, Sean. Your uh, suggestion from the end of the last episode, which was you, you said we should put in the uh, the boxcar children. <laughs> Uh, and you said no, too mainstream. I at least know what the boxcar children are. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided to. Well, I was like, well, if we're putting in the boxcar children, we got to put in the babysitters club. We got to put in the saddle club. Just like get the whole collection. Don't loop of, the saddle uh, club the young... in there like it's a normal thing that anyone else knows. <laughs> That you didn't just make up. Honestly, if it was like a collaboration between the North Pole and the South Pole, it would be a lot more geographically believable than Australia and Canada. Yeah, I'm having I mean, a hard time believing. Here's 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 what I can offer you, gentlemen. Since this is our second episode, uh, I can throw in something of a wild card here. Um, we can do a we we. I will offer you the option of a reroll. Now, unfortunately, uh, you cannot re-roll your first pick, only your second pick. You just made that uh, up because of Nakatomi stuck... Plaza. No, 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 no. <laughs> it, it, no, 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 no. These rules are, are coded in stone. These are biblical laws uh, that unfortunately mean Sean, that Sean, even if he takes his re-roll, will be forced to stay with the Saddle Club. Um, I, I am perfectly happy with what I think I could. I think I think I've got a lot to work with here. I, okay. I maybe have to watch a couple episodes of the Saddle Club, but I think um, <laughs> what a gift there is. What a, a gift wealth, there is a wealth of material to work with. I'm more afraid of that wheel than I am willing to to get rid of. To <laughs> That's true. You could end up Mace Windu out of my. You picture. could end up in a in a much a much worse situation. Um, I mean, I I feel guilty because I got two horror icons. Yeah, uh, you did. What well, can so we trade? I, Stuff? And it's inter- you know it's interesting that we can't see the wheel and Matt somehow got two ho- how did you describe them horror icons, icons. that's interesting you, didn't even Do you want to me to use a, re- a re-roll I will use my re-roll I am yeah, happy to a, abandon use your re-roll to abandon see what happens. the so creatures of I wonder, what happens. You I wonder the how many other horror icons All right, are on here screen. we go on spin the wheel it is Ooh, the unfriended ghost from unfriended. <laughs> All right. 
Okay. Okay. Now we're, all right. now we're working with something interesting. I thought I had an this iconic is... horror villain before, but now I've really got an iconic <laughs> horror definitely, villain. This is a step up. Someone sure. just cheered sure. somewhere in Slovenia. Yeah. <laughs> now, for those of you, for those of you unfamiliar with the movie Unfriended, it is about a teenage girl who poops her pants at a party, uh, and then uh, is <laughs> wait what really? <laughs> and then that's becomes... not an episode of the Saddle Club. <laughs> yeah, becomes the... a pro gun pundit, and the... the uh, <laughs> it's about Caitlin Bennett, who is then uh, uh, bullied, bullied into committing suicide after she uh, takes oh. a picture of, of uh, after people spread around a picture of her poopy pants. And then she uh, haunts them via Skype and that Facebook. Is, this is not the plot. You've yeah. got to be kidding me. Yeah, Are so you she serious? Haunts them, she haunts them via Skype and Facebook and uh, exacts her revenge on the on the girls who tormented her. This okay. This is this is what the first <laughs> sentence of the plot says on Wikipedia. High school student Laura Barnes commits suicide by gunshot after an anonymous user uploads a video of her passing out and defecating at an unsupervised party. What did I say? That's exactly, <laughs> That's what, exactly I what I said. I just think it's, I, I appreciate the professional uh, way in which they She poops her pants. And an now, unsupervised and, party. And now she's a ghost that haunts the internet and has to face her greatest challenge yet. After the making it, stool in her breeches. <laughs> She loses her tenuous con- connection to the natural world. Now, a less I've professional been- writer would say, I made a huge mistake in taking that re-roll, and I should have stuck with the creature from the Black Lagoon. But I'm a professional, and I'm I'm excited by the challenge, and I'm ready to take on the unfriended ghost from Unfriended. I mean, honestly, between the Saddle Club and the plot of Unfriended, I feel like I've learned so much from this wheel. This wheel has so much to teach us. (laughs) It has such sights to show us. Yes, it does. It does. And uh, there's so many characters. There's so many characters that we didn't get. Um, Some of the characters we could have had featured include the bus from Speed. Uh, okay, of, that's a good uh, Hudson Hawk from the film of the same name. <laughs> the slow walkie creature from It Follows. The slow uh, walkie. <laughs> bad Superman from Brightburn. If All anybody right. remembers that movie. <laughs> Wait, not Bad Superman from Superman 3. <laughs> no, 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 no. Bad Superman from Brightburn. Uh, Slappy the Dummy from Goosebumps. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Seth Rogen's The Green Hornet. Oh, uh, so just a multitude, oh. a multitude of characters that could have could have made the cut here. So is- now, <laughs> now the next step is for us to take our brilliant writer brains and uh, go off and use these characters, uh, do whatever research is necessary, and uh, craft a world where, again, I can't stress this enough, it is an antagonistic relationship between these two. These two have to fight. And there has to be a definitive winner at the end of this fight. No third. I don't want to see Doomsday show up and have the characters put aside their differences so that they can team up and fight Doomsday. I swear to God, if Doomsday shows up in any of these scripts, I I swear to God. (laughs) No, Chris, we'll never release that lost episode now. Uh, all right. Well, uh, when you next hear us, when we return from the from the zone of pitches from and depth. from the from the pitch zone theme, it will be days later, and we will be uh, prepped, 
written, and Sean will be a new man having uh, become an expert on the saddle club. I'm making no guarantees of being prepped, of being ready, of anything. <laughs> I am. I may just be a complete mess by the time we come back. Away I am we a go. Away I don't think I'm going to be. I think I'm going to be sitting here for the next <laughs> three or four days, just trying to process what I, what I, <laughs> what I've done to myself. Off to the pitch zone. That's our Thank you, everyone. Already. That's our time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. I, I want to. I want everybody listening at home to know that uh, before sending me this one uh, this week, he was like, uh, "I'll just throw something short together for you guys." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a short film. <laughs> Thank there you, was, that was Sam. An experience. Yeah, that was a whole. I love it. I'm always so grateful, Sam. Sam. Thank you so much. Uh, it was a beautiful, we love you. It was a beautiful little tribute to uh, Chris Martin's early work. So thank you for that. I'll, um, tell, I'll <laughs> tell you right now, my, my pitch does not live up to that song. <laughs> <laughs> that tune, that tune definitely the would, bar is would raised. soften the blow. We should have played that at the end of the episode. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah, that, that tune definitely would have softened the blow of uh, Divorce from Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> so very well, very well recreated there. All right. Well, uh, uh, we're here in the pitch zone, as the, uh, that famous theme song signifies, and we're ready for some matchups. It's been pr- like a week since we last recorded, so we've all had ample time to ruminate, to research, and to prepare. And first up on the pitcher's mound is returning champion, the legend himself, the man who did the unthinkable and pitted Austin Powers against the Bye Bye Man. It is, of course, oh, our very yeah. own... Chris Okawa. Chris, Chris let's go, Chris. <laughs> All right. And I'm and I'm I'm stretching my shoulders <laughs> and I'm doing a tongue trunk twist that I definitely should have done before we started playing the game, but we I always do right before I go up to bat. Um <clears throat> so 
I had uh, famously Nakatomi Plaza versus uh, Mr. Glass as portrayed by Samuel Jackson. <laughs> and, um, and let's just, let's also, I want to, I want to ask, so it's clear for the audience. Have you seen <laughs> any movie related to the, the, the items and characters you are, you're matching up together? No, <laughs> not even <laughs> Die Hard. You haven't even seen Die Hard? Um, I've seen some parts of Die Hard, but I thought that I'd seen all of it, and I was reading about it. I read about it, and uh, did you know that he's not barefoot the whole time? There's like some like <laughs> Hobbit feet sort of shoes they put on him. I was like, I didn't what know why he would be barefoot. I guess that I, yeah, I guess I, I guess I am a little bit out of touch with it. But I did read for all the fans out there. Don't turn it off. You're gonna get your services. It's very. There's a lot of Nakatomi Plaza in this for you, and, and a so. nice suite. Little Easter egg nod at the end. Oh boy. <clears throat> if I didn't edit it out, I just sat down and I was just typing. I was typing like a day trader on on the good stuff. <laughs> you know, I was talking to the boys earlier. I was like, I'm so excited. This could be complete horseshit. I've not proofread it. Um, but anyways, <laughs> before, without much further ado, let's get started. So my film, just to put, just to be clear though, uh, not proofreading your scripts or story ideas does put you in the realm of M Night Shyamalan. So you're in good company. Yeah, it's true. That's he true. is the director of this film. Oh, we're off to the races. And oh, wow. this film, because I wanted to preserve the integrity of his fine, fine character, Mister Glass, and and who better than the man uh, to just sort of strap himself to the wheel as he drives us off the bridge as Mister uh, Midnight Shyamalan. <laughs> and um, so the film is called Glass Two: The Kintsugi Code. Um, but for our foreign release, um, I think like especially in China, they're expecting like they really like the uh, like the other diehards are like a good day to right. die or good dies never hard or die hard hardening <laughs> while dying. Um, so they really like these paradoxical titles. So uh, other what about like hard foreign glass. release titles. <laughs> yeah, my 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 uh, you'll you'll we'll get there. My okay. <clears throat> my foreign release titles are Die Hard Six, Heaven Is for Sinners, and then my runner up title that uh, I'll pitch to studio if they want to kill one of these titles is Glass Two, Rock Beats Scissors. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we'll start out with a little bit of trivia, a little bit of background here. Do you know that th there's a Die Hard PC shooter game called Die Hard Nakatomi Plaza? Did you know that? I, know I believe that. it. That sounds right. Yeah, it looks it looks like a lot of fun. I read through the whole synopsis of it, and that was sort of a new way of engaging with a property that I have very little knowledge of. And uh, so both John McClane and Nakatomi Plaza are also featured in Call of Duty Warzone. Isn't that oh, wow. exciting? Not particularly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the diehard properties are no stranger to a video game adaptation, which has very little to what, I, do I, what I'm doing today. I, but, trilogy I mean, I, like you know, I people that. have been adapting them. Yeah. Yeah. People have been adapting them. And uh, I must say, I mean, she's never looked better. Now can tell me looks gorgeous <laughs> in, the, in the renderings, the 4K renderings from that. So everyone check that out. Uh, her real life counterpart, the Fox Plaza in Los Angeles, was completed in 1987 and is aged like a fine wine if a fine Fine wine looked like a deputy star in the middle of Los Angeles. <laughs> um, so our story begins with a flashback. The year is 1988. The camera pans down from the sky to rest on a young boy of about 12 in a Hatagana Dodgers cap. He's running through the street, turning sharply at corners like baseball bases. The camera showcases uh, one such turn at the sneaker level, and we see the yellow Tenji blocks. 
I want to know how many people are like struggling with their media players right now. Like, no, I didn't hit play on something. Is Spotify going? Honey, turn that off. <laughs> we are in fact in East Asia. The camera pans through a cloud of steam and looks up. We hear Miki Matsubora's Stay With Me playing on a nearby radio diegetically and then non-diegetically in a beautiful remaster as superimposed on the sky in Haragana, first then English. The camera swings down. It says 1988. Um, <laughs> I, I want the audience to know Chris is the only one who's capable of playing music like that. And it's no a privilege control. that he's, he abuses. <laughs> and so (laughs) it says 1988 in first in Haragana then English in the sky Uh, and he's he's referencing his Casio watch as he turns other corners sharply Um, and uh, we we get the feeling that this is more of like a workout like a baseball workout rather than like a playful bit of shoplifting or or running around with the boys Um, uh, through the streets of uh, we now recognize to be the Shibuya destination market, Amaya Yokocho or Amayoko to the locals, uh, peopled with friendly vendors of all stripes, joyfully conversing. Um, another cloud of steam obscures the scene as the boy continues to run through a dark tunnel, uh, moist and ominous, uh, when he suddenly, uh, we cut to a close shot of him getting stiff-armed by a meaty black-suited arm. We see a POV shot looking up dazedly as a bald-headed strongman stands stare- sneeringly over our runner, shouting in Japanese with subtitles, does this look like a playground to you, urchin? Before he's interrupted by a mysterious, emotionally dry voice inside and down the hall uh, of the uh, doorway, leave the trash undisturbed in the gutter. We're nearly finished, and my host has so graciously neglected to feed us. Uh, and uh, so this is the voice of uh, Hiroyuki Sanada of uh, most recently of Mortal Kombat fame. And... Uh, or maybe Armored the Dead, if you're you have worse taste. Uh, the camera <laughs> reluctantly rounds the corner ominously, as only M. Shamalama can do, and uh, and we hear the final strains of "Stay with Me" echoing eerily uh, as we edge down, almost anac- in an almost anachronistically starkly old interior from like mid 19th century Japan. Stacks of medical bills uh, marked laid or unpaid uh, on the table. And before people sticklers, the medical system, this is for American audiences. Americans are Mm. afraid of overdue medical bills. It's a real symbol in Americans filmmaking. And I'm not sure that M. Night knows that that's really not the case with socialized medicine. But there's just like a a lot of things indicating that there's bills to be paid. Um, And we uh, the camera then follows uh, after uh, sort of drifting past the kitchen with all the bills, drifts down the staircase to a basement lavishly peopled with velveteen Zabuton cushions. Uh, We see the source of the voice, a man in a pristine black satin suit glaring placidly at a nervous, traditionally dressed elderly draftsman with blueprints between the two of them. Uh, Hiroyuki Sanada's character says, uh, all this is in Japanese with subtitle. It's time we discuss the primary purpose of this legacy palace, Aoyama. I I, I want to point out that um, for American audiences, subtitles are definitely, this is at least the first 10 minutes of the film are subtitled. And I know (laughs) American audiences hate subtitles with all 
their new sequences going to be about 30 to 40. Um, (laughs) yeah, we're really pushing it. Okay. But Sean was really excited about it when we pitched it. Um, he's in the corner, giving me a thumbs up and nodding madly. Um, so, Uh, All of this is in subtitles, and it says, it's time we discuss the primary purpose of this legacy palace, Aoyama, which is a surname. I'm a busy man. The older man looks nervously up the stairs, uh, sort of furtively over the shoulder of his uh, inquisitor. Ah, yes, of course, the system. And then uh, Sonata says, Tut's tomb, you called it, a system worthy of my notice that will protect our family assets long into the next age, reads, uh, and then he reads Aoyama's expression, uh, and Aoyama sort of of wilts underneath the gaze, and he says, uh, Aoyama, the elderly man, says, yes, sir, I intimated that the technology, the, um, Cyber intelligence is yet being developed in America. Oh, it will be ready to demonstrate during the construction next year. We thwack! Sonata's character backhands him. Camera focuses on his inscrutable rage beneath his glasses, his sunglasses, and we see through the re- reflection of his sunglasses. He brutalizes the man, continues to slap Aoyama into the tatami flooring for a beat or two before we hear the heavy footfalls of the henchman. Master Nakatomi! He's our last architect, which gives Nakatomi pause before he spits on the crumpled, whinging form of Aoyami. Henchman says, Nakatomi-san, what should I do with the boy? Nakatomi pushes past his, him uncaringly. He says, let him see. Before starting up the stairs, the boy is seen standing nervously in the hall, holding uh, maybe a dish, maybe a snack from the kitchen he slipped into. Uh, in the absence of his captor. And then he, uh, as after both of them leave, he's like plastered against the wall in fear. He stumbles down the stairs. The camera uh, does not follow. We just look at, we stare just sort of like dissociatively at like one of the old walls that has some like pictures and stuff of the family. And he runs past the corner of the uh, camera to go down into the basement. Uh, and he says, he says, grandfather, grandfather in English and Nakatomi and the henchmen walk past frame. We're left staring at this wall, uh, and, uh, it fades to black. Now cut to 2002 superimposed in the sky. A camera pans down the top of what we know now know to be sorry. I was gonna say, where's the needle drop? I'm very, uh, (laughs) I accidentally deleted the sound bite. Um, <laughs> okay, one second show here. we run here, guys. One second here. What's the budget? We'll on give this? it a moment. <laughs> it's important. If All right, this excellent. This is the theme to the Saddle Club. I'm gonna be really <laughs> upset. You, you don't, you, you, you know my work by now. It's gonna be painfully reprise filled. <laughs> 2002, <laughs> superimposed in the sky. <laughs> Camera pans down the top of what we now know to be Nakatomi Tower. <laughs> overtakes, overtakes the number as we continue to pan down the entrance. <laughs> it's important to know. Same song. It's important to note that this reprise of the song is sung by none other than pop sensation Japanese Breakfast, a total like Austin oh, City man. Limits and South by Southwest. Like, yeah, Japanese Breakfast, a darling. All right, you've got uh, me back on board. Stage. All right, I'm so good. Japanese Breakfast is covering this uh, beloved song. I really was sad to see 
that the original artist uh, has passed away. Otherwise, I would have her do it years later, well, and that would be, be something as well. To know that the legacy lives on. Oh, over for sure, and over and over. <laughs> it's iterative. Yes, you get it. <laughs> and and now Ashama has is lighting matches and blowing them out right before throwing them on the ground in my studio. So I'm a little bit nervous. But uh, uh so <laughs> it's 2002, superimposed on the sky. Uh, it starts in English, then blends to Haragana as we pan down uh, over the shoulder and back of a modern uh, sort of or a 2002 outfit. Um, uh, and uh, we see Nakatomi uh, Tower. Um, it overtakes the number. The number sort of blends in with the tower. As we uh, pan down the entrance, a young man in an ill-fitting suit uh, carries a heap of cables and a glowing interface. Uh, the corner of an ill-fitting pant leg rises up to reveal Haragami L.A. Dodgers design. Uh, baseball socks, as if this character couldn't quite afford a dress sock. Uh, and uh, he slips comically through the revolving doors uh, with like, a, you know, a little bit of will they, won't they, or, or how do we get this guy in here? Uh, sets all of these goods on the so security. So there's a romantic relationship between this man and the revolving With him, the doors, and the, it's kind of pan. It's okay. kind of him, the doors, and the good people of Los Angeles mm. are all in a love affair, a torrid love affair in this beat. Uh, and he uh, gets to the security desk. Uh, and he sets all the goods on the desk and it reveal. we cut to a mid shot of this character and all of the electronics clear as he lays them down on the counter to reveal that it's Steven Yoon smiling sheepishly. Oh. Uh, and he says, Kenny Ayami, I have an appointment with Miss Nakatomi. Uh, and surprise looks from security, phone call made and disbelief. Uh, you know, the security guards are like, she's expecting you. And they jet direct him to the. Uh, he goes past the bank of elevators to a very like black, like black ice, like granite elevator. That's kind of daunting. Uh, it's a lot. It's like from a different era. Than these other elevators. I heard glass. Uh, black <laughs> now glass. I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> black well, yeah. glass. glass. All right. Black glass okay. is, <laughs> I see the connection. Right. I see the Easter egg. Very there. clever. So Ayami, uh, so uh, Ayami uh, gets up to the uh, very like beautiful view penthouse office of um, of S Nakatomi is on the door, um, and it, uh, it's played by uh, Lyrica uh, Okano, um, and they discuss um, the past briefly um, and what basically in this in this scene, and this is really like a, the star scene for uh, you, and you'll see later on. Um, it's kind of like the reason we hired him. Um, so in the scene, they allude to the Nakatomi family, having put Kenny through engineering college, uh, and closes, uh, with her offering him a position in the company should this technology, uh, work. Um, and, uh, the camera follows to his eyeline, uh, and, and, uh, we hear the strains of stay with me. This is where the straight stay with me comes in, uh, before he's, uh, wait. And so we, it goes to his eyeline and we hear <laughs> Um, uh, we hear reminding you that me. you're adapting the building, not the song. <laughs> so before he just go back to the present, he's but we're alluding to this is uh he he's he's revisiting that haunting basement from our first beat and uh, or our first scene, and uh, 
he he's recalled to the present out of his reverie to reject the offer, uh, insisting that he, this concludes their business and bowing informally, slighting her. He bows very casually, like you've just like visited his restaurant or maybe purchased a calculator or a video game <laughs> or a bread from him. And it's it's like you're like, wow, there's like tension here. And uh, he's over. He, he turns to leave and she says uh, very pointedly, your grandfather would be proud. And he it stops him and we see his eye line and we see in uh, uh, Shama Shami's gesturing to me. He wants to have one of his signature like little like metal slice through the air moments oh, here yeah, yeah. to just really broadcast that shit's going to go down. Um and then she calls to Shyamalan. He knows. Yeah, he he's really good. Um, so she has her IT guy. She calls IT guy in, installs a panel for desk. Uh, we do like a time lapse of this person installing on the desk. Shami likes that too. He's really like thumbs up. He's like, I haven't gotten to do that since the village. And uh, so someone's installing this like glowing, and it it pings the to way life. You describe Shyamalan it, <laughs> is basically exactly as I imagine him on a set, where so everyone else is doing all the work, and he'll kind of come in every so often and be like, Yeah, I remember. I loved when I did that in the other movie. So keep going. <laughs> yeah, I'll be over here. This is like when I did it before and they're like, yeah, that's why you're here, buddy. And they pat him on the head and give him an ice cream. Um, And so they install the panel. The panel pings to life in a cheerful sign. Um, And uh, S. Nakatomi is like like smoking, looking out the window, wandering around in this time lapse. Uh, Not clearly distrustful that there's going to be some hanky pink, not hanky pink. There's going to be some shenanigans. Um, This guy's going to fuck this panel in her (laughs) heart. She's like, not like last time. Um, <laughs> he installs the panel and it pings to life and she like looks at it and she looks at her watch like it's not worth exploring but it is online she goes to her elevator uh, turns on her heel and we're, we do a similar eye match uh, to her as we did to uh, the uh, Al Yummy the younger before he left um, now we're uh, we pan up through the skylight and, and zoom into the night sky um, and uh you have to stay with me a third time here. I think that must be a mistake. This is where. <laughs> no, no, it's this, not. no, it's this not. is where. No, yeah, because it's, it, it's all right. Here's what I've written. We're floating the night sky to a cover of Stay With Me by modern moody pop sensation Japanese breakfast. So there's, there's one song in this score. This this movie is one song. <laughs> Stay with me, stay with me, reprise. Stay with me, the younger. <laughs> stay with me, moody pop sensation Japanese breakfast. Um. And oh, as she, we pass over the blue panel, we, 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 we sort of draw a comparison, and, and Shami really likes this, a match comparison of this blue cyan promising panel, if enigmatic, it is promising, and then matching that to the darkness and unknowability of the night sky. Um, <laughs> um, so for the, for the listeners at home now, after the 40-minute uh, flashback sequence. This is, this is yeah. also <laughs> only comprising 10 minutes of the final film. This is oh, this is this is all yeah, but this is so, all by design. I wanted to really about bring an hour into it. the movie. There has been not a single whisper of, of the Mr. unbreakable glass. verse, except except for the reference to the black glass. Yes, that except we, for the, the elevator, the, the, the black glass in the elevator. And if that's all we get, if this movie is elevator no. versus building, is this all it build is up not. for? It would be livid. Yeah, this is build up for the movie. It's like yeah, Mortal is... Kombat, where they're like, and then in the next one, we <laughs> will be... have a tournament. There'll be some Mortal Kombat, maybe. <laughs> so the the camera, so we we fly through the night sky and we are 
which uh, Shami really likes too. He's giving me more thumbs up. We go to the marina, the LA Marina docks. Uh, a match shot of the of the not match shot, a match shot. That's I, me. You say Shami, uh, and I think Shawnee, and then you just said match shot. <laughs> match wow, shot, everyone's yeah. getting a shout out in this one. This is the most so match shot of the uh, of the uh, shoes. We see that these are the same shoes from our first scene. And this character is is uh, still in the suit, but has changed his shoes to the shoes that he wore that fateful day. And he's walking down. Wait, um, how, this the, is like twenty years <laughs> later, and he's the same shoe size. Yes, asked and answered. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we cut to the marina. Listening to that song over and over keeps you young. Yeah, it really does. And he uh he uh he has a he has a little Walkman on him and and headphones that you can just hear diegetically uh stay with me oh my God. playing uh in the corner. <laughs> um yeah, he walks sounds, down. It plays white clockwork every 10 minutes. And we spent so much of the budget on the rights. Oh, they're like, honestly, imagine our pitch to get the rights. They're like, how many times do you want it in your film? We want it for about 45 seconds, about 32 times. They're like, they said, you can only use the song if every time you cut to a new scene, it plays. <laughs> <laughs> and he is walking down this very determinedly down this Marina dock. And you note that uh, uh, another change to his apparel is he has a watch with a similarly cyan uh, colored glowing uh, square on it, uh, where you might see the face of an Apple watch. Um, but this is years before the Apple watch. This technology is, is, uh, you know, unfathomable in 2002 and he's walking and he, he just very calmly gets in an old rowboat, uh, undocks, uh, you know, he, uh, pulls the oars up and starts rowing out into the darkness of the, uh, Pacific ocean. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we, we follow the boat even beyond, we just, we stand on the dock and the boat disappears on the horizon and we stay in there. We stand there for like another far too long. Cause Shami's like, he's giving me a thumbs up. He wants that. Um, so it's gonna be like another two minutes after we've lost sight of this boat and then, uh, you know, fade to black, uh, lights up on, no, no, no. Um, no, no, no. So fade to black. Uh, we go back into the sky. We zoom out over Los Angeles and we see just the proximity of this boat to, uh, Nakatomi Plaza. We'll sort of maybe do a fade match where we're doing like a split screen, like two worlds, one family sort of vibe. Um, to sort of draw their proximity and closer because just through the, just through the, um, uh, the desk, uh, we, we hear a sharp gunshot as it echoes off of, uh, the ocean and we see the friendly blue panel slowly melt to red, uh, on the, uh, desk, uh, in Nakatomi Plaza and then. Boom, lights up on a shimmery purple lapels, an ascot, and the snoring figure of Samuel L. Jackson, Mr. Oh, Glass, to be exact. It only took 60 <laughs> minutes to get here. People are cheering in the... I need to have a sip. One sip. <laughs> to wet my whistle after prologuing my own film. An emergency broadcast hails him to wakingness uh, from the television and they, in this broadcast, they detail the events. City of Los Angeles infrastructure has been thrashed. Traffic cameras and lights. Dunzo. Air traffic control. First false numbers 
First false. No, I didn't proofread this. First, <laughs> okay, so first <laughs> quick, false quick, numbers. Quick, quick song again. <laughs> <laughs> first false numbers resulting in close calls in midair between aircraft. Then completely dunzo, unreliable. They have to ground all the aircraft in the area. We can't even trust these computers. These computers are nothing. Police scanners, feedback, dunzo. Defund the police. ISPs, <laughs> Dunzo, flooded with articles of seemingly unrelated crimes across Japan, money laundering operations along the West Coast of America, art insurance fraud, a litany of seemingly unrelated crimes. We cut to Mr. Glass being suspended midair by the trusty hands of his nurse. He's almost fallen out of his chair to his doom. He is in seeming disbelief before he mutters one word to his nurse. The Kintsugi Code. Motherfucker. And then he... Yeah, proofreading. He then spiritedly (laughs) relays to the nurse that there was a rumored all-encompassing hack that could technologically nuke a city's infrastructure called the Kintsugi Code, based on the Japanese art form that celebrates broken fragments of pottery by rejoining them with precious metals. Stay with me. Glass connects some of the crimes and realizes they are all vaguely tied to the same acre. The Nakatomi family. This is a brilliant smear job that has taken the once fine city of Los Angeles hostage, in addition to the Nakatomi organization. What ensues is essentially a battle of minds and wills. Mr. Glass is consulted by the President of the United States, played by Bruce Willis. Now, the fans will wonder, his name is not John McClane. He's not President McClane. We're in a different timeline, baby! Shyamalan! Glass is tasked with not only containing the code with a crew of rejects in the second act, we crawled through most of the first act, uh, like McLean through the vents, but mind you, but in the third act, he must do a manual, he being Glass must do... Again, the first act is about an hour long, and the second and third acts combined are about 25 minutes. A good 25, a a tight 20. And uh, so uh, in the third act, he must do, Matt Glass must do a a manual, I'm just choking with excitement, must do a manual override of the system in a disability inaccessible building, which we can also bring that to light. This is a problem, people. When all his comrades are dispatched by means of orchestrated car accidents, sewer explosions, home gas leaks while they sleep. Just riveting montage of all of his supposed usual suspects hit squad being cutspud by by this by the building of Nakatomi Plaza. This is also the plot of Die Hard 4. I was going to say this is the exact <laughs> plot of Die Hard 4. Man, I really should uh I really should have watched some of these. So, he navigates Nakatomi <laughs> Plaza is definitely not in Die Hard 4. Nakatomi no, Plaza is, is, is orchestrating is. by means of the CEO desk all of this calamity. So he navigates a Die Hard-esque inconveniences demonstrating tremendous grit and sacrifice punishing his soft, brittle body. He goes barefoot of which the, cra- <laughs> the fans will cheer. Uh, crawling to the panel in his final moments with just enough energy to hack in before losing consciousness he wakes up in a hospital with an inscrutable young man dressed eerily formally 
uh, the aged version. I'm just kidding. The aged version. <laughs> <laughs> the aged version of our first henchman steps into the doorway. The young man thanks Glass tells him that the building has been condemned by city code, cut off from the electrical grid, walks up to his bedside before thanking him for freeing him up for more Yaku, which the enigmatic S. Nakatomi translates walking into the doorway uh, to mean baseball. She briefly summarizes that her grandfather was cruel to the Ayamas and that in memory of the uncredited and brilliant innovator behind Nakatomi Plaza, she has donated the appropriate degree of royalties to the Aoyama family in Shibuya so they will never want again. The police then storm into the hospital, taking S. Nakatomi into custody, who stoically accepts her role in all this. They, too, have drawn the parallels between the leaked crimes that the, bu- that the building had revealed. Glass reaches weakly for his green hospital jello on his plate, draws a flask somehow still concealed on his person, and pours it lightly over the top, creating a prison jello shot of sorts, and toasts, Yippee Kai Yay, mother, and then it cuts to black. Oh man, you got to secure that PG thirteen. Oh, dear God. Okay, I, I I don't I don't even know where to begin with this pitch. <laughs> uh, you spent so much time on the build up and the exposition <laughs> that when yeah. the actual movie starts, you're like, eh, and then they just they just do it. It's just stuff happens. Yeah, uh, which I love. It's uh, very backstory. There are lots of details we have to. We as the audience, it have means to something because you care about the characters, and I don't really have to. <laughs> well, explain. we care about Stephen Yun, who then apparently disappears. Yeah, he's, not the last in the, he's not in the last twenty minutes of the film. Of the film. Yeah. He shoots he's himself. only in yeah, the first hour. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, he's being so hired for that one scene. You've you've created um, Die Hard Four, but the villain, instead of being Timothy Oliphant, is uh, the master control program from Tron. <laughs> I mean, I would have preferred that as the villain in Die Hard Four. Like, this is a good alternative, minus the fact that that Bruce Willis is here, but not John McClane. Nor he's not John McClane. <laughs> or David, I think his David, name is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so also like every Mr. Glass movie, both of them, uh, ends with him being like, aha, this was my real plan all along. So you've got to have some kind of last minute reveal of him in the hospital and like the police, like condemning the Nakatomi building. And they're like, well, we finally did away with the master control program. Wait a minute. The screen's turning on again. And then like a eight bit, like Mr. Glass appears on the screen and is like, it's my building now. You know, there's got to be some like big reveal. My bones will never break again. Maybe there was a sequence in his uh, insurgence of the building where he's like leaning, laying out all this, like these lines of neon tubing. You're like, what the fuck? And then like when he says that, then like this neon sign glows to life uh, across three whole floors of Nakatomi Plaza. And it now says glasses place. Well, you what can you have. Think? Oh wait, wait, no, even even better. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna one up that even more. So All right. we got we got Mr. Glass is like in in the hospital, and they're like he's in some sort of coma. It's like his consciousness is just gone. I I yeah. I guess the the mission was too much for him. And then we see what really happened is that he wasn't just hacking the master control program. He was uploading he was his own it. consciousness, yep. Yep. Okay. and then he is now the internet, and, much like the end of Lawnmower. Man. 
he's Lakatomi Plaza. And we alluded to it with S. Nakatomi's scene being like, not like last time when she's talking to the IT guy. And we're like, did the guy try and fuck this thing before? Like, why? What is the draw? What is the allure of technology that, that can't be? Um, sort what's of, going on uh, with that revolving door? <laughs> this whole gotta, building is flirty. You got to have a scene where the cops are like when they when they when like there's like the one like cop like in uh, the usual suspects who's like piecing it together too late. And he's like, my God, today's the day they go on Wi-Fi. And then like every computer on Earth is suddenly infected with this virus and like you see a shot of this like teen girl on Facebook and then like the F turns into a G and then like her uh, her profile picture turns into a picture of Mr. Glass. Oh, he just has- I was like Gacebook? What's Gacebook? I was like Gacebook. Glassbook. <laughs> he has infected the entire internet. He is the internet now. It's just like an oh 8-bit skull with like Mr. Glass hair that's like rah, 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 rah. Um, so that's that's your ending is that he becomes the internet um so uh do, with that tweak think, i green green light <laughs> do you think that compared to last time um i know i probably didn't have much more of source material than i did last time but compared to last time do you feel like we had a, definitely a film more music, we more music um <laughs> we uh, put forth a film that um, the fans would love. Do you think that I, if no. you love, no, this, this is you don't think so? A, uh, another, um, you don't, uh, you don't think uh, they love it? Situation. I think it's another glass situation yeah. where you think you're getting one thing, and then the movie is like, yeah, and then the cops come in at the end, like in Glass. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna say they're gonna say, well, I guess technically there was a building called Nakatomi Plaza, <laughs> but the movie goes out of its way to remind us, no, this isn't the Nakatomi. <laughs> plaza you think it is it's a different building that happens to have the same name i, I would also yeah austin powers was very recognizable from from the get-go and, and austin powers uh, goes by uh, austin powers goes bye-bye yeah yeah so you we feel had a like fuck train you yeah, feel yeah. like yeah the fuck train was quite nice um do you feel <laughs> like um so we besmirch be, you don't like the the universal shift you feel like in the other universe even though it is technically nakatomi plaza in name and in sheriff's badge design um it's not it's doing a disservice to the fans well i mean the whole point of these matchups right is we want to see a worlds collide uh and you but i mean in your defense, Chris, I will say this. If M. Night Shyamalan was given this project, this is the exact kind of bullshit he would pull <laughs> and say, uh, and say, no, uh, this isn't what you want. This is what I want and what nobody else yeah. wants. Yes. So and also, in that, in that I, sense, I you succeeded. It would also be telling that uh, somebody who has not seen any of those films could present such a script to M. Night Shyamalan and he would think, yes, this is what I intended. This is my vision. I am 100% into this. So I think does on a Mr. couple Glass, of meta levels. Does he say to the president, you look a lot like a guy I know? <laughs> that, would be, that would be pretty fun. Would we be interested in that? <laughs> well, you'd think. Maybe, you'd, he, does, you'd maybe think, he says no relation and he gives us a wink to the camera. Now, what would that do to you? What would that do for you? He says, you got the wrong guy. And then the audience knows, like, no way. That's the right guy. That's McLean, that's and him. he's in disguise. It's, so that's, that he it's David. That's David. David, David McLean. McLean. It's <laughs> David McLean. 
David I mean, McCain. What a power move to bring in the character who is in both franchises and, and say, no, this is neither. He's neither of those characters. Of course. Shyamalan would do it. And you know this. He would. You know yeah, you, this. You're right. You were working on meta levels. That is true. This is, is a man yeah. who took a man. He, he's like, all right, it's a story of a guy who lives in a pool house. Well, who's the villain? The grass, of course. <laughs> and a guy that has a weird muscular jacking off arm. And you're like, what the fuck? So this same guy would totally make this picture. Yeah. And no, you're I not think, wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. I think where my my uh, ticker tab on the at the base of my rowboat went a little bit awry and I sort of drifted off into the uh, night like Steven Yoon of uh, Minari fame before shooting himself after one scene um, does in my picture uh, was I think that I leaned a little bit hard in the Shyamalan uh, angle and and this film really yeah. was an uh, it honored Shyamalan and it and honored um, a film that I was probably <laughs> just more like his movies and I ended up with a film that had um, a tune that I really like, uh, familial. Um, I was trying to think of how do I bring family into this conflict with a building and a family and friendless um, man who made of glass. Um, and and I can see where I went a little bit awry there, but I I, I do stand by the picture. I do, I would like to see this movie. I think that you guys would too. I would say uh, no. That's very wrong. I would not. Um, so I would it. say I'd that. See it. I'd yeah. say that um, as in making a Shyamalan movie, you have succeeded 100%. wildly. In making a movie, you have failed miserably. <laughs> oh, so la it's la. six one way, half a dozen the other. But because um, because you preface this with telling us M Night Shyamalan is directing and presumably writing, because he would not do something that he himself hadn't written that someone had written well. Mm-hmm. No, um, I think yeah. you, I think you basically covered yourself. That was a definite yeah. CYA think- move. And because of that, have, yes, you justify the existence. We have no choice but to give you green lights yes, because of that. Exactly. Because in the in the ultimate twist, even though this is the worst thing I've ever heard, and <laughs> oh no one would God. no one would ever want to see this movie, we have oh. no choice but to give you the green light to subvert your expectations, like Shyamalan before us, and to give the green light and force this into an unwilling movie theater. We're just um, trying to prepare you for the critical reaction to the film. I, I, because yeah, like yeah. every M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> film, this will likely do, get panned. I do uh, this show yeah. on my, mm-hmm. in my free mm-hmm. time. <laughs> I'm not pitching <laughs> this with M. Night Shyamalan. My couch is empty. Sh- Shyamalan's <laughs> crying. He's crying behind you. He's weeping and he uh, he's texting a lot. I think he's tweeting. I'm not sure if it's up. Oh, and he just tagged. He added me. And he's oh, no. he's throwing me under the bus. No, God he's damn it. This he's is all dogged. Chris's idea. He's Fuck tagged it. Fox Searchlight. I am ruined. So uh, oh, I God. guess that's oh, the end God. of my pitch career. I have no more to say. Well, on that note, I think it's the perfect time to transition into... What's this? The baseball field is suddenly thrown asunder by... By a man on the field is riding up to the pitcher's mound on a horse? I can't believe this. It's it's Sean Eastridge, veteran whoa, whoa, of the pitch what? zone, uh-huh. riding up to the, the pitcher's mound on a horse. He He's winking to the crowd. He's pointing to the horse in a kind of you'll understand this later kind of gesture as he gears up to give his pitch. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the the man himself saddle up. 
for Sean Eastridge. I don't understand this now. I don't know about later, but I definitely don't understand what just <laughs> happened, but I'm happy to be here. Um, yeah, so I, Chris, thank you so much. That was that was delightful to listen to. And if you, <laughs> our loyal listeners, do recall about five hours ago when this episode started, uh, I, I was given... I was given, not given, gifted the opportunity <laughs> to tell the tale of uh, the Saddle Club. Sweeney Todd. <laughs> the, Sadly the luckiest not. of us all. Sadly not. Uh, Sweeney Todd is not. Uh, maybe <clears throat> I can write it in an appearance somewhere in here. But uh, I, that, was, that was the task I was given. Um, I am a fan of the Chronicles of Narnia, having read them as a child many, many times. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed... A couple of the films, I think the British television series is is masterful and definitely a peak really? of uh, a visual storytelling. Um, so that's where I stand on Narnia. So I have a lot of fond, uh, I, I have a fond place in my heart for that franchise. I have not read the books recently. I've not watched, I didn't watch anything really to prepare for this. It's pretty well in my mind. Um, as was probably clear, the Saddle Club is something I had never heard of before my fateful <laughs> encounter with the the, pitch, the wheel of pitch, the pitch wheel the uh, versus of wheel. doom, the versus wheel. Um, I had never heard of it before, and uh, I still wish I had never heard of it. But I felt it was only fair that I give some of my time over to understanding whatever the hell the Saddle Club is. So I. Re- did some research, discovered obviously it's a book series, and then there was a TV series based on the book series, an Australian TV series, no less. Um, why is it Australian? I, I'm not sure. I think this is an American book series that takes place in Virginia, and somehow oh. some production company in Australia got it in their brains to, um, they're like, well, that's going to be really, really lucrative for our demographics <laughs> here in Australia, where, where horse farms are the norm. Um, I, I, I can't explain it, but the show, is, it's an Australian production. So I was like, well, okay, I'm going to give my, one episode. I will watch one episode, and uh, upon watching, I will base everything I know about the, the, the Saddle Club um, on the single, single episode. And... Uh, I have to say, I, I, it was about exactly what I expected. Um, I assume many people are familiar with Narnia and that many, just as many on the opposite end of the spectrum are familiar with the Saddle Club. So, so to give you a brief rundown, Saddle <laughs> Club is basically a group of girls who go to like a, a stable camp and they ride horses together. Mm. They, they jump over things and uh, they have little rivalries and they go on Ooh. adventures. Um, in one episode, Chris Hemsworth actually shows up and they all have a crush on him. <laughs> wow. wow. That is Australian. Great. These are all preteen girls, by the way. This is not where in like Virginia a, oh, is, is this, is this uh, summer camp or whatever? Uh, you know, I, I, it threw me for a loop because again, the whole Australia thing. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I was, I couldn't tell if it was supposed to still be in America because there are American actors mixed in with the Australian actors, like their Australian accents and then just American accents. Oh and shit. No they have accents. Some of them do. Some of them don't. Uh, there's, there's really no, uh, 
Doesn't oh, seem to be any thing in Virginia. <laughs> yes, there is no <laughs> logic or reason or rhyme to who is from Australia and who isn't. So, uh, Matt, I can't answer that question. I, I uh, it takes I, place I, in the fictional town of Willow Creek, Virginia. So, well, I can't. I, I don't out know there. since I'm basing everything <laughs> I know off the television show. I can't. I say. think it'd be. I think it'd be saddle asses. <laughs> Oh saddle. my god! This is I'm a right. saddle ass. I'm a fan of All saddle right. club. <laughs> this is derailing. That's what the 13 year old girls quickly. call themselves. Absolutely, that's, that's absolutely <laughs> no. Um, so I I watched the first episode, and again, it was pr- pretty much exactly what I expected. Um, no more, no less. Um, I but I have to say there was one moment, and Chris, if you want to go ahead and cue this up, we talked about this before the show. There was one moment that caught me so completely off guard in this episode that I had to share it with the both of you right now. So to give some context, uh, there's a girl named Lisa and she is Australian. She, this is her first day at camp and she makes a bad impression on the girls. These, these two girls, I believe their names are, uh, it's Stevie and Carol. So these girls are horse riding experts. They love riding horses. And when Lisa arrives with her mom, the mom almost hits these horses with her car. And the girls are like, you're stupid. So Lisa's already on their bad side and Mm-mm. it's not boating well. And Lisa simply can't catch a break this whole time. She, no matter what she does, she only makes things worse. And all she wants is for, for Stevie and Lisa to be her friend. But like, the worst thing, like her cell phone goes off while while they're horseback riding and one of the horses oh, no. freaks out. So they're like, oh, Lisa, you are, you're so stupid. And she's like, oh, I keep messing up. So nothing Lisa does goes right. That is the context I provide for this next scene in which Lisa tries to level with Stevie and Carol and tries to apologize, but it just goes terribly, terribly wrong once again. And uh, on that note, if if our, our our man in the back could please uh, bring up this footage. I think yeah. we will be good to go. My brother's team won the championship, didn't they? <laughs> you have every right to hate me. I screwed up, but I'd never hurt you or Comanche on purpose. I can't believe my mum called right in the middle of a lesson. It's like she has to check on me every five minutes. Mums are so lame. Yeah. Her mom died. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, oh, was not, no. was not prepared for that at all. Yo. So, uh, everything I expected from, from a, a, a series called The Saddle Club, but that no, moment Lisa. Um, was a real gem. Uh, Lisa, oh Lisa, God. trying to relate by by bashing on moms, and one of the girls is like, "Oh, my mom's dead." Um, oh, really, really. No. It's like this. That's like the scene in Prometheus where they're talking <laughs> about like this could create life, and uh, Numi Rapace goes, "I can't create life." <laughs> <laughs> like that, the characters in my film would say, "Majide." <laughs> 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 so um, I watched the first episode and I'm fully prepared now as a fan of the Saddle Club, as a fan of Narnia, to present Yo. to you the Chronicles of Narnia, Rise of the Equus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so 
I'm just going to read. All right, here we go. Uh, so the Saddle Club, that would be Carol, Stevie, and Lisa, who by the end of this first episode are fast, fast friends. <laughs> they, 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 everything is forgiven. They apologize. You know, uh, Lisa apologizes about Carol's mom being so insensitive. Famous friends. They're famous, famous friends. Um, so the Saddle Club, these three girls, decide to go for a ride in the forest. Again, I'm going to preface this by saying I did not proofread this. So uh, just a fair <laughs> warning. Like Chris, I have no idea what's about to happen. <laughs> um, they come across a big stone wall that stretches as far as their eyes can see. And they simply have to jump over it because that's mm-hmm. what Saddle Clubbers do. Again, this is based on the first episode, which prominently features a wall that they need to jump over. Saddle clubbers um, never die. That's right. So, ah, oh, you know the series as well. Okay. <laughs> I see who I'm working with here. All right. So Down um, here, it's their time. The classic <laughs> line. Now, do but, we get a uh, do we get a needle drop of like crisscrosses jump when they're all like jumping over? I, the, I think that can be wall. worked into the budget for sure. And uh, we don't have a director attached yet, but I think we're going to be the phone's going to be ringing off the hook as soon as I'm done with this pitch here. Um, for sure. So they jump over this wall. But when they do so, they're transported to Narnia. And much to their amazement, their horses can talk to them now, which is just (laughs) incredible. They realize Narnia is a magical place full of amazing talking animals and other wondrous sights. And it turns out their horses have been searching for Narnia all this time. They have to warn or they have to find whoever's in charge and warn them of an impending attack. They cross paths with a group of animals who refer to these girls as daughters of Eve. They must take them to see the king at once. But little do they know that the snobby bully Veronica, who we did not see in that clip, saw them disappear over the fence into Narnia. She goes to, uh, to get Max, who's the leader of the saddle club. He's one of the head counselors or whatever the fuck you want to call him. Um, he's there and she's like, we have to get all the adults together to go to to the magic wall. I'm telling you, they disappeared over this wall. And Max is like, oh, quickly, like, show me. So he and and Veronica and a bunch of adults go up to the wall and Max ponders it for a moment and says, hmm, interesting. Then out of nowhere, Max pulls out a sword and violently murders everyone, including (laughs) Veronica. Yes. What? Because it now turns, we're talking. Because it turns out Max is the long lost evil wizard of Narnia, Max Zinnikin. He was <laughs> he was banished, okay. banished from Narnia, and he founded the Saddle Up Club on the edge of this particular forest in the hopes that he might someday return and wreak all manner of havoc, gaining revenge on Aslan and the like. <laughs> he was using the saddle club as a front to train up an army of evil horses so he could conquer Narnia. And now he'll finally get his chance. He musters up his horse army and the, the whole group storms the wall together, crossing into Narnia. Meanwhile, the saddle club arrives at Care Paravel, which, as you know, is the, the kingdom of Narnia, where, uh, where Comanche, these are the horses' names, Comanche... Patch. I have to clarify. Yeah, this is Comanche well. and Patch, the horses. And then there's another one who, I don't know what the fuck his name is. Let's just call him Flipper. Uh, Flip, <laughs> so Comanche, Patch, and Flipper uh, warn King Caspian, the 5,000th of an impending invasion. Max Zinnikin has found Narnia, they explain. They must prepare for battle. But it turns out 
Horses were planted by Narnia to keep an eye on Max Zinnikin and to make sure he never returned. These horses were all a part of this plan in Narnia. So that's right. Comanche, Patch, and Flipper were all Narnian from the get-go. Um, <laughs> I got they, that vibe from them in that first episode. That's, that's right. That's right. So we wanted to. I wanted to honor the Saddle Club, uh, just to like on, pay off these moments that I'm sure everyone was thinking about. Oh, yeah. Um, so they, they had to make sure he never returned. That was their reason they were planted there. But now that they're back in their rightful home, they want to stay. They're like, well, we don't want to go back to Earth. We want to stay here. Now, the girls are devastated. They they don't like this. They don't want to have to leave them behind, but they love them so much that they're like, you know what? We'll do what's best for them. What can we do to help? So the little girls train to become Narnian warriors to help defend their friends, and they gain all kinds of combat knowledge and amazing knowledge. So remember, Narnia time goes much, much faster than real world time. So mm-hmm, if, you, if mm-hmm. the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Peter, Edmund, Susan, and Lucy, they all grow up and become kings and queens, and they live out almost an entire adult life, and then they fall through the wardrobe and become kids again, and they've left. No, no time has passed whatsoever. So what happens now is that by the time Max Zinnikin arrives with his evil horse army, a decade has passed due to the Narnian time difference. Mask Zinnikin uses his evil messengers to send word all over Narnia, Narnia that he's returned and he's hungry for blood. So word of this reaches Care Paravel, of course, and the, the Saddle Club girls are now older and we can cast as fan service the girls who played them when they were younger. They're now all adults, so we can oh, get them involved great. and get some fan service oh. in there. So How they're fantastic. all older now. And because they've spent the past decade training for this moment, they want to lead the battle. They're like, we're ready. We're battle hardened. We're, we're, we're going to fight Max Zinnikin and we're, we're fierce. We're angry. We're not going to take it anymore. So they engage in a major battle on Max Zinnikin's turf. They go out to find him. And while it appears they have the upper hand at first, they think they've lured him into a trap. It turns out that Max Zinnikin has brought tons of weapons technology from Earth. So we're talking machine guns, rocket launchers, tanks this is narnia is not prepared for any of this but the girls they still manage to hold their own but they're outnumbered and they're overpowered so they retreat to care paravel also one of the horses is killed uh probably flipper let's just flipper no let's say one of the girls is killed too uh you can pick whichever girl you like lucy no lucy's, <laughs> lucy's not a uh a saddle club character but sure lucy, <laughs> oh, lucy can oh you meant one of the set i thought one you meant of the one of the no, lucy lucy's not here at the moment <laughs> lucy's so, dlc in the fighting game so maybe we have a little somber moment where they realize like oh my gosh there's real things at stake and one of our friends has died and flipper the horse has died and this is real like we you know we might not make it back alive um, and things seem even worse because Max Zinnikin, he, he doesn't let up the momentum. He's like, we're going to storm the castle, and they do so. All hope seems lost, but then Aslan ah, I knew it. And I he's knew he'd brought show up. with him his own army, including all of our old favorites. You've got Peter, Susan, <laughs> Edmund. Lucy, you even got Cousin Eustace and the little mouse Reepicheep. We have the original Reepicheep. Puddle Glum. Puddle Glum's there too. We have the original Caspian. We have the horse. We have his boy. We even have the silver chair. The silver chair. The old man who made the rings. The old man who made the rings. 
We have Diggory and the girl from the magician's <laughs> the nephew, magician. Polly, I think is what her name is. So uh, listen, don't ask <laughs> questions. The this monkey from are... the last battle. <laughs> of course. Look, you guys are please tell right me we thing. have the monkey from the you last battle. Please tell me we have puzzle the donkey. We have all of these and more. Oh my god, I gotta get a drink of water. Hold on. <laughs> this is a lot. It's intense. So the audience is gonna feel like this is a stand-up and cheer moment. Like they're gonna be ripping their seats out and throwing them in the aisles. But like <laughs> I understand logistically this doesn't make much sense because all of these characters are from completely different time periods. Uh the the saddle club takes place in the early two thousands and and Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy and Eustace all grew up in the in the 40s i believe the so 40s. again yeah. this doesn't make any sense it's, but we're it's just, sort of an avengers assemble moment it Can kind we do of is like, it, this it is, is yeah. like this is like the end of like every season of digimon where they're like everybody's <laughs> back everybody's back and just lots forget of, about it that doesn't matter lots of end game influence and for sure a whole lot of digimon influence um, <laughs> but this Fantastic. is so the battle the tide is turned but max zinnikin only seems to grow stronger He retreats back through the portal to Earth. Now, the girls realize that the reason they couldn't defeat him was because there's a specific object at the stables that they believe is the source of his powers. It has to be destroyed. Otherwise, Max Zinnikin will never be defeated. Now, everyone's kind of like, well, he's gone. It doesn't matter. Like, the time difference, by the time he gets back here, like, by the time he recovers and returns to Narnia, all his followers will be dead. We'll all be gone. And they're like, no, no, no. We have to think of future generations. We have to stop Max Zinnikin once and for all. So the girls decide to travel back to their world to defeat Max Zinnikin. They, they leave their horses behind in Narnia. There's a tearful return of the king level farewell where they have to say goodbye to their horses. Mm. The horses just can't come with them. They need to stay with, they have families now. Like maybe we'll throw that in. There'll be a whole period where, oh, "Oh, we're with it. We've, we've grown. It's been 10 years. We have families. So they can't leave. The girls have to go back. So the girls return. And as soon as they return, they're back to their younger selves. So they manage to defeat a few of the enemies that are prepared to meet them. A little bit of a trap there. And they just, how do they do that? They they're just like they they're still warriors. Have their battle now. knowledge, yeah. They still, they still have, have battle knowledge. knowledge. They, have, like, they have their weapons and stuff. It's gonna be some real exciting three ninjas type action where they're like kicking okay. guys in the crotch and they're going, they, oh no! And they put they put jelly beans <laughs> in their mouth. Put jelly beans in their mouth. <laughs> Lots of that kind of stuff. So it'll be fun. Um, so this, they discover they get back to the saddle club. They discover Max Zinnikin has some kind of bomb and he's planning to bring it to Narnia to destroy Narnia once and for all. Oh my the God. girls try to stop him, but he handily defeats them all. And he reveals that his heart is not the object they thought it was. Maybe there's a, a suspenseful moment where they think they found Max Zinnikin's Horcrux. They stab it, but he's like still powerful. And they're like, we thought it was that object. And it turns out that it's the saddle club itself that harnesses his life force. And not just the saddle club, but anyone to whom he's imparted knowledge and and teaching any human so these girls realize we're part of the problem anything that's remotely related any human remotely related to the saddle club has Ooh. to be destroyed so they realize sort of jonestown situation brewing they, here <laughs> they realize in order to save narnia and everyone they have to sacrifice themselves so oh they God. they set off the bomb the saddle club <laughs> is destroyed along with them and Max Zinnikin, but Narnia lives on. And that oh, is uh, uh, Chronicles my God. of Narnia, Rise of <laughs> the Equus. 
Sean, wow, you have so far <laughs> exceeded my expectations. <laughs> I it had everything that I could have wanted. It had it was extremely violent and dark, but also sometimes geared at children for some reason. And I could tell I could I could hear in every word just the loathing that you felt while having to write this, which really brought it to life for me. That was the thing that really made it that, that right. cinched it. I mean, honestly, I don't know what else I could ask for. You you hit everything I could have wanted. You had child suicide, you had <laughs> you adults had, murdering children. You had elements of another series, Stardust. So I'm sure Gaiman's people are gonna be on our I think our so. heels. I think if we could get like some Neil Gaiman folk uh He's like, involved, hey, maybe I he's invented going. the cobblestone wall portal idea. <laughs> like, That's right. So Gaiman definitely want him on as like a, a, a production designer, maybe a conceptual oh, yeah. artist. Uh, That'll do I it. I think you should have like in like the CGI, you know, crowd shots of like all of the Narnia heroes returning. You should just like throw like Frodo in there. Just like <laughs> just start to fuck we it. Could, you know, we can as far as like the timeline is concerned, because there is no logic when it comes to who's returning here we've got people from every story yeah. from all over different periods of uh, of fucking of life we could just throw get the, all these people in there we throw the iron have... giant in there why the fuck not <laughs> yeah, yeah the and make giant, him violent the delorean all of these things can, yeah. can find their place in narnia what about yeah maybe maybe an older radcliffe let's age up radcliffe we like yeah. to do that already we've proven that we have all of the models yeah we can do it and he can be the old magician and we'll just like not address it yeah, no, none of this will be addressed. Uh, in no. fact, yeah, I don't like, even. He's like, oh, my nephew, I'm the magician, and looks to the camera. <laughs> I'm taking it. I'm taking it one step further. I don't even want this crowd of people to be addressed by the characters. I just want <laughs> just be a crowd of people. Just inex <laughs> inexplicable CGI shots of bum, Bugs Bunny bum, and the Irish bum, guy. Bum, bum, bum. Well, listen, I and the grandma. Gremlins from Gremlins, just oh all these characters. God. Do they have we a just cut back to the movie? This is Charlie from Catchphrases. Do oh, they? Hey do the Saddle Club girls have a catchphrase beyond "My mom is dead" that they could shout? <laughs> they, they could I, shout I, before they charge. At least in the first episode, they don't. But there is a theme song they sing at the end credits that we can maybe do a sad, maybe um, a sad Lana Del Rey yeah, version. Like maybe just Japanese have um, what's her name. Phoebe Bridges, is that it? Can we have her do? Yeah, like a Phoebe, sad Phoebe Bridges. Or maybe Adele, yeah, Adele could do like the sad version of that theme song at the sad end. Yeah. Oh, we gotta get like an Adele in there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's um, an Oscar for sure. I'll tell you right now, this is going right to HBO Max. Uh, this is this is <laughs> yeah. This oh, yes. is going to be a premium ticket for them. Uh, the trailers are just going to be of the shot of the CGI characters. <laughs> That's all you're going to get in the trailers. You'll hear you'll hear the saddle club, and you're like bling, bling. And people Bling, be like, and each of these will show different <laughs> yeah. soundless sort of, of things. And then there's one of the girls drawing circles on a table winsomely. And she looks at the camera. And she says, my mom died. <laughs> and then it goes to black. Well, it's got to you've got to have like audiences be like, well, I've never heard of the Saddle Club, but like I saw like Iron Giant in there. So like, I'll go see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that guy that was guys, against guns is shooting the shit out of everyone I, on screen. I, I've so. got to ask you guys. I haven't thought much about who should direct it. Um, do is there anyone out there? Um, do you know anyone I, who you can connect me with? Uh, 
I, I'm think. I mean, it's got to be an A-lister. I want to bring somebody who um, so understands I, the emotional I want this, impact of I want the CGI. I want the CGI in this movie to look like dog shit. I want it to look really uncanny. <laughs> I agree. So I'm thinking. I'm thinking we get Zemeckis in there, and yeah. we tell him like Zemeckis, you can do all the weird CGI shit that you want to do. <laughs> like Tom, uh, well, Tom Zemeckis Hanks can play yeah, yeah. four characters in a horse. Yeah. Tom Hanks is uh, one of the people we see in the crowd. Will be the uh, conductor of the Polar <laughs> Express. <laughs> It it's just every... Tom Hanks in people in street clothes. Tom Hanks could be the wizard. He's the dark wizard. Uh, that's right. That's right. Maybe he's so, the villain. He's like, I'm. I have a very villainous voice. Yeah, but he, he is CG. CG. Okay. <laughs> okay, so Zemeckis is directing, and Zemeckis uh, is directing, Neil, and all Neil the dolls all... is definitely involved. <laughs> All the dolls from Marwin are also in the CGI <laughs> crowd. <laughs> uh, yeah, and a few of the, the the characters from Trolls World Tour are also yeah, 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 on the no, backs this of is, some of the. <laughs> this is honestly that one shot alone is making this 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 a money maker <laughs> for a Sean. Everything <laughs> else is everything Saddle else club. is supplementary. Yeah, I, club. Moms, so am we I got right? Zemeckis. We've got, we've got CGI Angelina Jolie. We've got uh, Gaiman. We've, we've got Gaiman. What a mess. What a beautiful um, melange of creativity. Yeah. 10 out of 10. This is this is the ultimate film. Yeah, I mean, there's not uh, much more to say. It's a green light. I yeah, love it's it. It's hard florid. green light. It's beautiful. It's actually it's already on HBO Max. I'm, I've pu- oh I pulled up the website oh God, right now. Right. It's, it's already up. Wow. Oh, yeah. It's their wow. featured movie of the month. Man, uh, limited release on HBO Max, and then it'll be in one theater. In that made-up city in Virginia, so really, yeah, it's just it's, a money laundering yeah. street. <laughs> it'll be it'll either be there or in Australia. We haven't we haven't quite figured out if it's Virginia. There's a Virginia in Australia. In an AMC in Australia, yeah. Uh, yeah, AMC Sydney showing the exclusive <laughs> premiere. Green lights all around, Sean. This is yeah. your best work. Uh, I've you. seen a lot. I've 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 been lucky enough to read a lot of Sean Eastridge's work over the years, and I can tell you this puts it all to shame. Uh, this is this is what your entire career as a writer has been building towards absolutely well that's how i felt when i was watching saddle club i thought if i can't do justice to this then i need to hang up every last bit of yeah. writing equipment i have my, my <laughs> easel my paint brushes all of it my, my, my chisel my, my seismograph my, yeah. <laughs> my telescope <laughs> just all of your writer's equipment oh all my god it. well Honestly, I hate that I have to follow this act because I can. I'm going to tell you right now, guys. My pitch does not feature the Iron Giant, not a single time. <laughs> Technically, mine um, didn't either, but you guys threw him in, so we can no, it Iron was Giant. always meant to be in there. Okay, the picture right. never really worked until he showed up. Right. Uh, so, um, I'm going to go ahead and step onto the pitchers now. A mound now. Uh, I, it's I'm now I'm now both up to bat and pitching at the same time. Mm. I have to throw the ball into the air and then and then hit it. He's uh, just that fast, folks. I'm both teams. I'm like that scene in Sonic uh, when he he he's the whole baseball team. Uh, so um, Sonic or was that Twilight? No, the, well in both. Sonic he plays baseball against himself because he's oh. so fast. Oh, um, so. Uh, <laughs> This is, uh, for those of you who have forgotten about everything just over the course of this conversation, your brain has been wiped. Uh, my two uh, con- combatants are, uh, combatants with a K, are the creature from It, the titular It, and the unfriended ghost from the movie Unfriended. Mm. So, um, 
I, I, I thought a lot about how to present this and actually it came to me in a dream. Uh, the, the climax of this movie came to me in a dream and I said, Oh my God, this is it. This is, this is the image. And I had to immediately start writing just then it was like divine intervention. And then you woke Uh, up and you realize you'd only been writing in your dream and you're like, damn it, not again. Yeah. Unfortunately. So all of that was lost and I started over. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I, I took inspiration from the most unlikely of places, uh, I took inspiration from the classic uh, uh, novel that I had to read in sixth grade, uh, Brian's Winter, which is a what if okay. sequel to the book Hatchet. The Hatchet, where, yeah. Yes, and at, 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 the, at the end of the book Hatchet, spoiler alert, the young boy who's stranded in the woods is rescued. And Brian's Winter is the based on the premise of what if he didn't get rescued until a little bit later because he still ends up getting rescued. <laughs> it just takes a little bit longer. <laughs> um, so I thought, I thought, hmm, a what if sequel. That's interesting. So uh, our story begins in the town of Derry, Maine, uh, or more accurately, okay. underneath the town of Derry, Maine, in the sewers in the year 1985. We begin right at that famous climax of of the novel and the miniseries and the uh, unfortunate film, uh, <laughs> It. We begin right at the climax where we have the adult heroes gathered together to face down the creature once and for all and defeat him finally. And, but at this time, things go a little different. This time, uh, you know, they're all standing there in a line like, we got you now, it, you're done for. And he sort of raises an eyebrow and is like, done for, am I? And then he reaches into the ground and tentacles come up through the ground and spear all of our heroes through the chest, oh, killing them immediately. They were kids. <laughs> I, yeah, know, I know, I know. If only he had thought to do this before. <laughs> so the, You've been training with Aslan for 15 years to do this. So the, <laughs> the heroes he's in that group shot too you bet your ass that's right that's right <laughs> the heroes of it are dead and he feasts on their souls before yeah. uh, returning to his 27 year hibernation and that's when we fast forward to the year 2012 where through an establishing shot we have a needle drop it's like bump Bum, bum, bum. I threw a wish in a well. I bet it. And then we, we pan down from the, the clouds. <laughs> it is Dairy, and we see Dairy, Maine, 2012. And here we are at the local high school where we're introduced to our new protagonist, Carly Allie. Ray Jepsen. <laughs> Carly the fuck Ray Jepsen. <laughs> She's played by Chloe Grace Moritz, and uh, uh, okay. she is she is uh, uh, just finishing up high school. It is it is their senior year, and they've all just graduated. She's in like her graduation gown, and they're like cel- she's celebrating with her friends, and she's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe we graduated! Like we did it, we made it through high school. Time for the best summer of our lives." No. Uh, and and but Chloe Grace Moritz is she's a little upset, and they're like, "What's wrong, Allie?" And she's just like, oh, well, you know, I'm still just a little bummed about Laura. And then we get these like hard insert shots of like newspaper headlines that are like uh, Laura Barnes found dead in her room of self-inflicted gunshot wound. 
So oh. the the other girls through some really just like expertly written exposition are like, I know she was your best friend. She was our best friend too. <laughs> <laughs> but she committed suicide We've three months ago. She was a straight A student. Her parents loved her. Everybody We've been inseparable her. for the last eight years. Except she was, for that one year, she stubbed her toe super hard and went to the hospital and had to go to rehab for it. We all loved Laura, but she's gone now and we still have lives to live so let's live our lives and yes it is so she's but 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 we see sort of a montage of these friends living up their summer lives and you know doing all the things that you want like they're just like going to the beach and they uh, uh they go to see uh the movie prometheus in theaters <laughs> And, and then they the walk around and they're like, I had no idea it was about they're that movie. And they're living just living, living the best lives that the summer of 2012 can offer them. And, <laughs> um, rises, like and they're just, they're, they're having such a good time. And, uh, uh, and then, you know, one night, uh, Allie comes home and she's still bummed. And uh, her dad is watching the news. And on the news, it's like, oh, so strange occurrences have been happening in the town of Derry, Maine lately. Uh, young girls have been mysteriously showing up dead in front of their computers. And uh, Allie, Allie is like watching <laughs> this news footage. And she's like, hey, that's one of my friends. That's so weird that she's dead in front of her computer screen. That's like, that's that's so weird. Why did that happen? Uh, meanwhile, uh, running behind her before she can even process this, her little brother, her little brother, Lucas, uh, in a, in a bright yellow raincoat, uh, which sort of signals to the audience, like, uh oh, uh -huh. he's like, he's like, I'm going out to play. It's the summer. Yay. And they're like, be home before, Let me get <laughs> my home paper boat out. <laughs> they're like, Lucas, our straight ace. Student. He's Lucas, friends with everybody. He's a, he's a great student. We love him. All the all the adults in town love him. Lucas, be home before dark. And he's like, I will. And he runs off and she's like, oh, that little brother of mine's so embarrassing. So she goes up to her room and on her computer screen, she sees a new message on Skype from a user named Billy227. And it simply says, I know. And she's like, huh, that's weird. But before she can even process that, boom, we smash cut to later that evening, we have uh, we, we have a shot of Allie laying in bed watching the HBO series Girls, which had just premiered that year. Wow. And uh, as wow. she's Man, watching these the- These are on point, these pop culture. Uh, we're going to make so much money in really sponsorships on this. And as, as, so she's- <laughs> She's watching. She's watching Lena Dunham uh, sit naked on a toilet and like pour her heart out to her <laughs> friends, and um, she's like, "God, this is just like my life. This is like they put my life on screen." So when real. she uh, gets a knock on the door from her mom, and her mom comes in and is like, "Honey, have you seen Lucas?" And she's like, "I saw him go out to play earlier." And she's like, "Well, he's not home yet. Can you can you go out and 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 track him down? He must have just lost track of time." And she rolls her eyes and is like, fine, I guess I'll finish this episode of this award-winning series later. <laughs> and uh, she puts down her laptop and she goes outside and she's like looking around and uh, she's like shining her flashlight all around and she shines her flashlight over some trees. And as she pans her flashlight over, she sees for a brief second an image of, could that be 2012 Republican nominee Mitt Romney? 
and wow. she moves her flashback <laughs> flashlight back over, but he's gone. And she's like, wow. "That I, I could have like sworn that was that was him." But but I guess I guess it was my mind playing tricks on me. And then she hears like a little voice, like Allie, Allie, and she Sounds runs like over, and she's me. like, "Where is that coming from?" And <laughs> she runs exactly. over. And there's a sewer grate and she looks down in the sewer grate and she sees Lucas and he's in the sewer and she's like, Lucas, what are you doing down there? And she goes, he goes, Allie, I saw a Spider-Man. And she goes, Spider-Man? Spider-Man wasn't in the sewer. And she goes, yeah, Spider-Man's down here. And she then, goes, which but, one, <laughs> Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield, who started the goes, amazing Spider-Man this year? It's incredibly he says, important. He says, I saw Spider-Man down here. And she goes, what are you talking about? And then all of a sudden, Andrew Garfield emerges from the shadows and pulls <laughs> oh, Lucas no. back. Oh, there we go. He'll be and happy for the goes, work, too. <laughs> I'll be grateful to be in this call sheet. He's happy she to be goes, Spider-Man in anything. Like yeah. she goes, no, no, oh my god! And so she races home. She runs home through the rain, and she she kicks the door open. But as she does, she sees her parents dead on the living room floor. Their bodies splayed around a laptop computer, and on the laptop computer is a new message from Billy two two seven that reads, "They'll never be." Royals, and oh, you're next. Oh, she oh. screams in terror and goes, Mom, Dad, no! And she turns around to rush out of the house, but before she can, there, standing in the yard, holding a red balloon, is none other than Mitt Romney. And he, <laughs> he starts to advance on her and and she she backs up in terror, backs back into the house, and Mitt Romney steps over the threshold of the house. But as soon as he does, he stops and he goes, What's this I feel? And a mess and a message appears on the laptop like bloop and it goes, Back off. She's mine after what she did to me. <gasps> What she did to me, it all clicks for Allie. She looks over the computer and goes, Laura, is that you? Yes, the computer types back. <laughs> Laura, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I posted that picture of you with poop in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> we were all <laughs> we were all riding on such a high after the premiere of the Hunger Games <laughs> that night just got so out of hand no <laughs> no no <laughs> for the folks at home that is the premise of <laughs> the source oh, material. This so is not things. satire. I'd forgotten that that was the actual. <laughs> Poop in your pants, Caitlin Bennett. I'm sorry. <laughs> and Somehow Laura it doesn't really. It really the emotions don't really hit home until you hear an Oscar-winning actor like Chloe Moretz say, "I'm sorry, I took the photo of you pooping in your pants." <laughs> they were just on such a high oh. from seeing the Hunger Games that day. And uh, understandable. And and the me- the computer messages back and goes, "It's too late. Now you die." And then Mitt Romney goes, "Wrong!" And he bares his fangs at the laptop. He's got sharp teeth now. He goes, "She's mine. You think I'm scared of a laptop?" And then the computer types, 
you will be. And suddenly <laughs> the laptop begins to shake and it floats in the air. And, and Mitt Romney scoffs and goes, you think that scares me? I am fear. And then he begins to transform into another form. It's, it's, it's Tom Hardy as Bane from The oh! Dark Knight Rises. Oh, only now, year. only now, Tom Hardy's Bane grows two extra arms and becomes a spider Bane, a hideous creature. And, and that's when a gif of Tony Stark rolling his eyes from the, from the recently released <laughs> Avengers movie appears on the screen and text pops up reading, you think this is my final form? And suddenly a body, arms, legs, all made up of wires shoot out from the computer from the bottom of the computer with the laptop making the head it's it's shot in a perfect homage from the classic scene uh, from superman 3 where the <laughs> mother turns into a computer woman it's just like that only now it's a woman emerging from a computer and so now there's this hideous laptop monster and Laura has taken on her true form as the unfriended ghost mecha form. She okay. speaks in a computer, in a broken computer voice. And she goes, let's settle this freak. And then all of a sudden <laughs> from the computer speakers starts. I'm glad, blasting. I'm glad this form is even more terrifying than I could possibly imagine. Calling him a freak. <laughs> and, and from the computer speakers starts blasting. Boop. Whoop, 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 Gangnam style. And <laughs> wires shoot out of Laura's hand and wrap around its neck. But the creature transforms again, this time into Martin Freeman as Bilbo Baggins. And he uses his small frame to slip out of the computer's grasp. I never knew it was so nerdy. He's All his pop culture references are the nerdiest. <laughs> and and uh, and he starts he starts slicing at the computer's wires with his sword sting but the more he cuts the more wires shoot out soon the entire house has been converted into into an hr giger nightmare house <laughs> i know how you work creature you feed on fear but i do not fear you I fear nothing. The creature begins to transform again as it turns into its true spider form, but it cries out in pain as the wires begin to creep under its skin and pull it down into the floor. I've known fear you could not imagine, for you see, I <laughs> pooped my pants in high school. <laughs> No! <laughs> the creature The creature cries out as it's consumed by the computer house. Allie, who's cowering in the corner, cries out, and Laura turns to her. And Allie speaks through sobs. Laura, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's okay, Allie. I forgive you. Really? No. Allie is consumed by wires as well. And she screams and her scream turns into a dial tone as the screen fades to black and a title card reads 27 years later. 
wait, and we see. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I need to put in a producer's note. Um, uh, <laughs> Allie definitely needs to shit her pants in that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Yes, like, I accept like that now, note. She poops her pants. <laughs> <laughs> and and the like, computer like, takes a picture of her pooping her pants. Yes. yes and uh, before it before oh killing God. her. Yeah. Uh, and then our uh, so our movie ends twenty seven years later. We see a little boy riding his bike down a street in Derry when he hears a sound from a nearby sewer and he walks over to investigate and as he does wires come out from the sewer and begin dragging him down the cycle of fear and dairy lives on but now with a new master and the credits start playing over <laughs> awaking up with ass and dust and uh, that's the end of the movie oh wow wow that was an intense roller coaster ride of fecal matter and now, computer wires and 2012 references. I should probably say that I got a little carried away with making sure that the audience knew it was set in the year 2012. Knew that it was 2012. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. It's really going to connect to Gen Z. I, I, that's the I first so. thing that I'll say. This is Tommy from Targeted Marketing. I think that the Gen Zers <laughs> are going to be stoked. They definitely know what a Carly Rae Jepsen is. Mm-hmm, they definitely mm-hmm. know. They know all of this stuff. They know, they know what Imagine a Mitt Dragons. Romney is. Yeah, Mitt Romney. They know. The, they know Imagine Dragons and the kids that had the wish they made. They wish they might, and they had the magical stone. They loved Imagine Dragons mm-hmm. um, on PBS, and um, they're still <laughs> glad that they're doing the end credits. Um, it's really. I'm really excited. I think we're really excited here at Targeted Marketing. It's going to be easy. It's going to sell itself. So congratulations. We just want to. I, I want to be the first to congratulate. I was you. very yeah. impressed. Yeah, I was impressed by it. you. Made every reference feel so integral to the plot. <laughs> yeah, this is this is Tyler from Targeted Marketing. I felt well. Uh, we're, it's updating the story of it for the new age because clowns clowns wouldn't lure you into the sewer, right? Not nowadays. You would be like, clowns? "That's a clown. That's I mean, creepy." But if no, you saw I'm, Andrew I'm Garfield in the sewer, you'd say, "Wait, now I'm interested." Lure me into the sewer. I don't think that that's a very strong premise to begin with, though. What <laughs> if, if a little had, boy if saw Spider-Man really slippery... in the sewer? He'd want to go down there. Was a, yeah, I can say yeah, now what if as it an was adult this, male, I would absolutely. What about a slippery s- street or like a hundred dollar bill that goes in the sewer? What about that? What? Are we interested in that? Is that twenty twelve no, enough? Not, that's yeah, not how. That, that's, that's not yeah, how it the works. Dollar have to do with twenty twelve? That's not how it works. Edition? He turns into something you would like <laughs> to lure you close, like yeah. Andrew Garfield in the Amazing yeah. Spider Man, which is by yeah, definitely. He'll, he'll appear and he'll be like, he'll be like, Lucas, I need your help. It's it's, it's me, Reese Ifans, Spider Man. It's Reese Ifans as the lizard. He's back. <laughs> Only you can help me impress my girlfriend, Emma Stone. <laughs> but only if we can fight on this very narrow radio tower with no ground to actually do anything on. And definitely oh, no places to shoot a spider web. Um, I mean, it's a good it. film. Uh, what Thank are you, you. Anti- are you anticipating blowback from the very, no. re- very recent it team? No. Are they no, working I don't think on so. it? I think, I think I think the I think the it team is probably going to look at this and be like, "Wow, we I they they sure showed us. Yeah. Uh, we, we they really gave us a run for now, our is money." This, is this it chapter three? Uh, <laughs> um, is it yeah? Which it, chapter of it? Yes, this will be called it chapter three colon unfriended. Okay, um, great. Okay, yeah, um, simple, that's that's yeah. what it's going to be called. Okay, there's that. Uh, it, uh, this is Billy from Booking. We. While you were pitching, we 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 DM'd Hardy via 
Twitter. He's not gonna. He's not gonna even do it. He's not gonna show well, up. He's, he's very notoriously grumpy. He does not want to be thing. made into a giant tarantula from a role a that he's Venom, not particularly Venom fond Venom of. Movies right now, Matt. Here's the thing. Here's the there. thing. This is going to be a Back to the Future two situation where uh, it's it's we're just going to have somebody else that kind of looks like Tom Hardy, but like with the mask on. Nobody's Holy gonna be able to shit! Tell. He is gonna be. Extra mad. He's no, he's are, are you be prepared able to for? Yeah. Are you prepared for the warrior to be extra I'm not mad? Scared at you? of Tom Hardy. I I can handle Tom Hardy. I'll are just you, pull are his, you sure pull, he knows one of the little tubes the out of his mask? <laughs> <laughs> but he's also a wizard in taboo, and he could do some bad magic to you with crusty paint makeup. Yeah. Do you want crusty paint makeup? I don't. I'm not sure that you do. I mean, if I ring a bell near him loud enough, then the venom suit will just come off him and 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 land on. Yeah. Uh, no, that's a good um, point. That's a good point. This is fair. Grace, so this is fair. Or if you put him in the cockpit pit of a plane, he will not interact with any of the characters in your story <laughs> the whole time. So yeah. you know that's a great way to isolate him. Yeah, I'll entice him by being like, "Now, Tom, I know you're mad, but I've got a role for you, and you get to look nothing like yourself in this role." <laughs> Uh, how are you interested? We're going to plaster you with makeup and we need you to gain 400 pounds. Uh, you'll be playing Grimace for our uh, uh, McDonald's <laughs> land movie. <laughs> yeah. I, well, have- I, speaking of that, there there need to be, I know this is an R-rated film. Likely, mm, hard R, hard R. Lots of poop. Yeah, there's some tie-in opportunities here for sure. Happy Meals and the whatnot. And, yeah. Um, yeah you know. what, what, what's the plan? How are we going to reach the kids with this story? Well, I think the kids are going to be like, like, exactly like you said, like they're going to be like, I remember 2012. That was a formative year for me, too. I remember listening <laughs> to Call Me Maybe. I remember Gangnam Style. You know, we're going to have Sai. Sai is going to have a cameo in the movie. Sai is going to mm. be inexplicably <laughs> the principal of the high school <laughs> giving the uh, giving the speech at graduation uh, in Korean. He will not be speaking English. Okay. Uh, and uh, you'll, at the end of his... At the end of his speech, he'll do the little, you know, the little horse ridey dance, the little Gangnam style. Um, so that'll be great. Uh, so that and when the kids hear that Sai is in it, they're going to they're going to flock to the theaters. Yeah, that sounds right. Well, it sounds right to me. Favorite. I have no reason to to object to any of this or to question it, really. Um, and, and who can we get on board as a director? Oh, wow. Now, that's a big question. Now, Zemeckis is unfortunately busy right yeah, now with doing, another yeah. project he's working on. That's a lot. Because um, he, he would have been good for all every these... episode of the Saddle Club to get prepared. <laughs> he would have been about... good for all of these references. <laughs> Maybe I mean we have like um combat scenes, creatures, characters, mm-hmm. lovable um, friends. I think maybe Edgar Wright might be a good one to tap for this one. Okay. I think here's he here's could... here's my counter pitch to you. I say we sign on Edgar Wright, and then he'll leave uh, a third of the way through production over creative differences. Yes, and then we'll get somebody else to come in. Let's get the director of Yes Man to come in. And, and <laughs> okay, up the movie. Now we're right. talking. Pey- Peyton Reed himself. This. Peyton Reed is going to come in and finish up the movie. We'll throw yeah. that fifty million towards that, towards the, yeah. that that specific. Just the personnel shift. Yes. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. What do you think the budget is on a picture like this? You don't have a ton of locations, but you have a lot of million. special effects. There's a house. Five hundred million. You said. <laughs> Five hundred. It's a Force Awakens. And how much are the actors making? It's mostly it's mostly just on like C- getting the CGI Mitt Romney, right? Um, and getting, getting the like, rights to Mitt Romney. Mid is not going to do this. He's not going to make an actual appearance in the film. He's not going to do it? 
I think he'd be up for it. I think he might be up for it if we put in a line about like, boy, I sure hope you win, Mr. Romney. Um, <laughs> like she's like, that looked like Mitt Romney. I was so scared. But also, boy, I sure hope that he wins. And and uh, uh, his company sure never swindled anybody out of money. I love Bain Capital. And, and then he'll say, um, I'm a conscientious objector before he attacks the uh, <laughs> attacks the computer for the fiftieth time. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll say we'll say, uh, boy Mitt Romney, I know your policies seem bad now, but we're all going to see you as the good one, and in, in, in eight years, <laughs> I promise worry. you'll you'll be you'll be the cool the cool Republican. I swear to God, and he'll go, who let the dogs out? Who who? Um, <laughs> just like he famously did on the campaign trail in 2012. <laughs> this movie is a time capsule just like yeah, no, it cha- just that. like it chapter that. one is a All time capsule for the 80s preserving you know, this is a time capsule 2012. for 2012, 2012. yes it's a big year yeah exactly it's gonna it's gonna be full of of references to things people miss and love from the bygone year of 2012 maybe we'll for throw sure. in a reference am, somebody would be like like uh, uh, somebody would be like, "Oh man, I hope the Mayan apocalypse doesn't doesn't happen." <laughs> you know, some some reference like that. So, oh, we'll have a character playing their PlayStation Vita. They'll be playing their PlayStation oh, Vita. They'll be like, yeah. "I'm so glad this just came out. This is going to be a huge yeah. hit. This is going to be supported by Sony for so long." Oh, that sounds. Oh great. my that god, really great. Yeah, no, it'll be it'll be good. It'll be it'll be it'll be a hit. So, um, greenlighting it. Yeah, you you don't have to you don't have to sell me further. I'm into it. Okay. Yeah, I just wish that we had like diegetic sound for ourselves and the listeners during it would be my only request in the future. Like if you I did like your performances, don't get me wrong, but I would love Thank to you. have smashed that play button. Uh, partially well, I, I sh- a, a if I had known addiction. if I had known this episode was going to be so filled with needle drops, then I would have prepared. Oh, advance, you know, but uh, you know how much I love it. The opportunity will come again one day, I'm sure. Um well, uh, so I'm, I'm sensing some green lights. I'm sensing some green lights all around. I love that we possible. make the effort of talking about these green lights every time as if a movie's ever going to get anything. But <laughs> as if someone wants to just give someone the middle finger and be like, no, I don't like your movie. Yeah, you I have like- fundamental differences with your idea. Yeah. So what what do these movies have in common? Um, I well, both uh, mine and Chris's had a malevolent AI of sorts. Mine was a computer ghost, they, but pretty close. They all have the Iron Giant in them. <laughs> yeah, they mine will. The Iron Giant mine will feature point. the Iron Giant in some in some capacity. Lucas will have yeah. an Iron Giant toy. Yeah. yeah, there'll be a Miyazaki statue in the background of mine. <laughs> yeah, we can have uh, we can have the kid like playing with his Iron Giant toy and being like, "I love you, Brad Bird." Um, I can't wait for you to. <laughs> Direct one Tomorrowland. of the Mission Impossible. Yeah, Tomorrowland. <laughs> Tomorrowland. Yeah, there we go. He'll have a little Tomorrowland button. Um, so uh, that was that was a similarity. Um, yep. um, <laughs> were there horses was, in anyone else's movie? No, I don't. Mine didn't um, feature any horses. I can't horses. say that there were horses. No horses. I, horses are off. The I table. think that they all engaged with transformation. Every villain or. Um, hero had to undergo a very drastic transformation of form. That's true. Mm. Um, there was a death. De- the death of the protagonist uh, uh, happened in 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 all three. I mean, if you consider Mister Glass yeah. the protagonist, being mm-hmm. that he shows up uh, what an hour and a half into the movie, um, and if you consider his body death <laughs> an hour and to be a, a death, into an hour and forty minute long. Film. <laughs> we got to keep it tight for the kids. <laughs> The kids are going to love it. <laughs> um, 
There was a real reverence for the source material in Sean and I's, at least, uh, for sure. Well, I can I can say with confidence, though, that I think people will be moved by mine. I think they'll be they'll moved be like, out of the theater bad. to get their money back. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember I worked in the box yeah. office during the Total Recall reboot. And a man came stomping up to my 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 guest services at box office, livid. And I knew exactly what he's going to complain about. And he's like, "There was a woman in that film," and he had his kids with him. And he was like, "Who had three breasts?" And I was like, "Yeah, dude, that's kind of the point of the movie. Yeah, that's like definitely a very when famous I think image the point of the movie." Of Total Recall is is the point of the movie is the three breast woman. Breasts. Yeah, that's why yeah, she's um, in both versions. Movie. I, I one final thing for my movie. I should also say that before dying and after pooping her pants, uh, Allie's final <laughs> words are, I can't believe I'm going to die before getting to celebrate the 50th anniversary of James Bond with Skyfall. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, that I needed needs to work to that be in. Over. <laughs> um, this episode is longer. It's over, overstated as well. Uh, Mr. Glass versus Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. <200. laughs>